inspiration. You were there to help me out. You just saw the need and said, can I help you? We learn a lot from watching other horses and watching other riders. I'm Julie Goodnight, and thank you for listening to my podcast about horse training and equestrian sports. Be sure to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you won't miss a single episode. And if you get a chance, it'd be great if you could give this podcast a rating and review. It helps me out a lot, and it helps other horse lovers just like you and me find this podcast. Since the last time we recorded, well, it's amazing how much life and society can change in just a few weeks. I'm finding a new normal now that doesn't involve any business travel. I miss doing my horsemanship clinics and helping horses. Helping horses with their people really is what I do. Here in Colorado, our governor's been very proactive And we were issued increasingly restrictive business shutdowns and stay-at-home orders from the beginning of this pandemic. And through strong leadership, we seem to be managing the crisis well. But I suspect it will be some time before we're back to normal. And um, in fact, we may be finding a new normal, and who knows exactly what that's going to look like. But one thing I know is we will persevere and and things will get back going again one of these days when it's safe. And until then, we're doing a lot of different kinds of media adventures like podcasts and videos and, and daily communications. So basically just getting into a new rhythm. And from the beginning of the shutdown several weeks ago, I made a commitment to do the daily dose of horsemanship homework to post a horsemanship lesson for people at home every single day of the shutdown. And of course, back then, I thought it was going to be just a couple of weeks, just a little blip on the screen. But as we know now, this thing is is going to last longer than we thought. And we've just got to put our heads down and push through it. And so... I made the commitment to do the daily doses, and by George, I've been sticking with it. So I've been doing either a live post or an uploaded video every single day, and it gives you some sort of horsemanship lesson. We talked about behavior. We I've shown all kinds of uh, mounted exercises, groundwork exercises, and, um, you know, whatever topic people ask, I've been doing live posting several times a week and answering people's questions, connecting with people really all over the world. I have joined in on our uh, live posts for the daily doses of horsemanship homework. If you've missed these posts, you can pick them up from my website. Every single day of them is uh, that we've done from the beginning, and I believe we're in the 20s now, but uh, they're all there posted on my website at signin.juliegoodnight.com. That's my academy website. Um, or if you just go to juliegoodnight.com and hit academy, you'll find the daily doses and you can get caught up on your horsemanship. It's been a lot of fun. I, I've learned a lot about producing content. I've been enjoying the connection that I've made with everyone through the live posts. And 
we've been mixing it up with groundwork, mounted work, and what I've been calling living room lessons, where we just sit on the floor and do talk about horses. And I've done some exercises and some Pilates stretches. So it's been a blast. I've also been busy producing other uh, content here at home. We've finally got our new online short course launched. It's called Building Confidence with Horses, and it's available at shop.juliegoodnight.com. And the short courses include a series of assignments, plus all the video, audio, written study resources you need to complete the assignments, plus online worksheets for you to complete. So it's a, it's a concentrated learning course of study that you can pick up on. And again, it's called Building Confidence with Horses. It's been getting great reviews. So please check it out at shop.juliegoodnight.com. One bright side to this shutdown is that we've seen a big increase in our online subscribers. With so much time at home now and with a huge increase in media consumption, lots of people are utilizing this time to enhance their knowledge of horses and riding. And we offer library subscriptions with hundreds of training videos And we offer library subscriptions with hundreds of training videos, audios, articles, all searchable content, giving you the solutions you need right when you need them. The library subscriptions include unlimited access to 260 episodes of Horse Master, my TV show on horse training. And those episodes are streaming on demand to our subscribers. So check that out. I also have an online horsemanship course that includes personal coaching from me. We call it the interactive program. It's a course of self-study, but I'm right there with you to answer your questions, offer coaching, and give you advice along the way. You can check out all my online programs at signin.juliegoodnight.com. Today's topic is dealing with horses that rip and run. I'll talk about this dangerous behavior, what it looks like, how it develops, and situations where it's likely to happen. We'll look at what this behavior means, why the horse does it, and how he benefits. Fortunately, most horses never learn how to overpower people and get away, but once it's learned, It can't really be unlearned, and it makes the horse particularly difficult to handle. Even if you thankfully don't have a horse that has this bad habit, keep listening to learn how you can avoid this problem. And if you do have a horse that rips and runs, you'll definitely want to stay tuned to find out how you can mitigate the problem and retrain the horse. Plus, I've got some brand new questions to answer straight from our listeners in the What the Hey? Q&A segment at the end of this podcast. Today's topic is horses that rip and run. And by that, I mean horses that have learned to position their body and sort of take control of the lead rope and rip away from you and run away. And fortunately, it's not a behavior you see very often. Fortunately, most horses never learn this really bad behavior. 
But once it's learned, it's challenging to unlearn it. In fact, unlearning is not really possible. You can't erase the horse's memory. And it's a clever maneuver that he learns by basically manipulating the situation, manipulating the person that's handling him. And he gets rewarded every time he does it. So he he develops strategy and gets better at it. And, you know, sometimes it actually turns into a an increasingly dangerous behavior if the horse becomes aggressive or has any kind of temper or, shall we say, anger management problem. This can become a really challenging um, behavior to manage if it escalates. So... You know, when I say it's a learned behavior, there's really only two types of behaviors, learned behaviors and instinctive behaviors. And while this particular strategy of ripping the lead rope out of your hands and running away may have started with an instinctive behavior, it can very quickly become a learned behavior if the horse benefits from it and if the horse makes association between his actions and the benefits that he received. So in other words, when I say it might have started on instinct, let's say you're leading a horse, um, coincidentally it happened to be going away from the barn, and um, I don't know, a rabbit jumped out in front of him, and he spooked, and he turned away from you, and you ended up directly behind him holding the end of the lead rope, and now it's basically um, you're in a tug of war with a thousand pound animal and he just takes off running like he was shot out of a cannon and you let go of the re- lead rope and off he goes. Um, so it could have started as innocently as the horse just spooking and getting away from you. But what's different here is that the horse learned from the incident that then he could manipulate his situation when he wanted to in order to get what he wants, which was to go back to the barn or or um, back to the herd or whatever. So um, you might occasionally see this behavior, uh, or I would say a similar behavior under saddle with horses that have learned to grab the bit in their mouth and just stiffen their neck and run away with you or run in the direction they want to go, uh, no matter how hard you pull on the reins. Um, that's similar, but not quite the same as what I'm talking about on the ground, because, of course, running away with you from the saddle means you're still on his back. And so, but when he learns how to position his body and rip the lead rope out of your hands and run away from you, he's gone. And he can do exactly what he pleases and get away from the um, uncomfortable and, in his opinion, unnecessary situation that you had put him in. So that's what the behavior looks like. And when you're most likely to see this kind of behavior develop is when you're asking the horse to do something he doesn't want to do. We have, we have a fabulous episode of Horse Master involving trailer loading. And this horse, unbeknownst to us when we started filming the episode, had a very well-practiced maneuver where he could uh, rip and run away from you. Um, that he, he had perfected this maneuver through trailer, trailer loading um, episodes. And so anyway, we, we, um, we were able to 
have a great deal of success with getting that horse in the trailer. We actually did several episodes of Horse Master about horses ripping the lead rope or the lunge line out of your hands and running away. The trailer loading one was the most dramatic. So that's a, a common time when you might see a behavior like this, or maybe it's as simple as just leading the horse away from the herd or away from the barn or away from his uh, you know, home territory. You might be leading the horse towards something he really is afraid of and doesn't want to do, like step over a ditch or across a bridge or something like that. Sometimes horses even develop this behavior when you're turning them out and they just kind of get wild and try to rip away from you. I've seen it happen a lot when people are lunging the horse and they're not really fully clued into the horse's motivations and behaviors and that horse is pulling them towards a gate and looking towards a gate and the person lunging doesn't acknowledge it, doesn't address it until pretty soon the, the horse, you know, as he comes by the gate or wherever it is he wants to go, he just, you know, rips the, the lunch line and runs. That's a really common uh, time that you see this rip and run behavior. And might might have just happen with a horse that is really spooky. And, you know, horses are different in the way in which they behave when they spook. And while some horses tend to spook in place, other horses spin and bolt. And that spin and bolt is a much stronger flight response. And if it's a real spooky horse with a spin and bolt um, tendency, he might have gotten away from his handler, you know, a dozen times or more. So, but the truth is horses get away from handlers all the time, but most horses don't connect the dots and don't associate one thing with another. Most horses don't learn that when they position their bodies in a certain way and grab the rope that they can get away from you. So f that's fortunate for us because it's a, it's a tragedy when a horse learns that he can overpower you. And once learned, it's, it's really, it, it can't be unlearned. And so while we can mitigate it and we can retrain the horse and we can deal with the circumstance and we can dissuade the horse by putting a great deal of pressure on him when he acts that way, we cannot erase the knowledge that he has that there are certain situations and certain handlers for which he can get away with this situation. So it basically makes him an unreliable and an untrustable horse, and that can actually es escalate if he is a bad-tempered horse or um, an aggressive dominant type horse, this, this kind of behavior can actually escalate to, to become dangerous. If the horse becomes aggressive and, and decides if he doesn't want to do what you ask him to do, that he'll just lash out and kick out and headbutt you and rip the rope and get away from you. So oftentimes when it at least when, when the horse has developed uh, a learned behavior here and it is, has become habitual, generally you're only going to see it when you put him in the circumstance that he doesn't want to be in, whether that's leaving the herd 
or going in a trailer or crossing the ditch or stepping uh, onto something he didn't want to step on. Whatever he, whatever he deems he doesn't want to do, he he knows he has a tactic for dealing with it, which is to overpower you and leave. So he he learns to use his body weight against you, and that's the critically important thing we never want horses to learn. And by the way, I just have to mention here that this is a big reason why it's not a good idea for inexperienced people to handle young, uneducated horses, because inevitably these horses are going to try to push their boundaries, try to get out of doing things they don't want to do. And there are certain things that once learned can't be unlearned. And so what's best is if that horse never has that opportunity to learn this to begin with, and he stays safe. His habitual behavior is safe and manageable behavior. So that horse that's, that's ripping and running uh, is often refusing to go forward for whatever reason. He has a motivation to get away and to leave the scene. He believes that his compliance is optional that he does not have to do always what you ask him to do, and that sometimes he can do whatever he wants to do. So um, unfortunately, leaving is always available to that horse. So it's, it's difficult to really fully trust that horse. Now, let's say you have this horse. Uh, first of all, you you know, one time of a horse getting away from you, like I said, horses get away from people all the time, but they don't always connect these dots and learn that as a tactic to use against you. But what do you do once your horse has learned this? Well, one of the first questions I would ask you if I was trying to help you work through this problem is how long has this been going on? And give me an estimate of how many times this horse has actually succeeded in ripping the rope away from someone and getting away. Because if it's just happened once or twice, he's not very experienced at it. But if it's happened a dozen times, 20 times, he has learned from each and every experience and success that he had a better tactic so that he actually develops strategy. He learns to recognize when the opportunity arises. He learns to recognize the circumstances under which he wants to get away. So the more the horse is, is having success, not only the more habitual the behavior is becoming, but the better he's getting at it. And so the longer he's been doing and the better he's gotten at it, less must be real, the more difficult it is going to be to retrain that horse, to dissuade that behavior. And you're going to have to pull some significant tactics out of your bag of tricks to overcome the horse's, shall we say, uh, strategies. So definitely in order to retrain or reschool that horse, we're going to have to have a very experienced handler. This is not a job for someone who is new to horses. This is going to quite likely be an extremely physical job. Um, I call it dirt skiing. 
Anyone who has worked with trying to mediate this kind of behavior in a horse that's already learned how to do it well um, knows that they're going to be probably drugged through the dirt a couple of times until they get that horse convinced that he can't get away from them. So definitely not something for someone new and inexperienced to be doing. Um, It would be very easy to get hurt doing this, particularly if the horse is becoming aggressive. Sometimes rearing, striking, headbutting can be involved in this kind of behavior. If the horse has become really defiant over time because of mishandling, sometimes those horses, if they're dominant horses, sometimes those horses get very angry when you do try to control them because they feel like you you don't have that authority and it it actually makes them mad. And so sometimes they lash out. So you want to make sure that you really fully understand the danger zones around the horse. When he's he has to turn away from you and uh, so that you're positioned directly behind you, him in order to get away from you and have his nose sort of cocked away from you. So if I was leading my horse from the left side as normal, what he would do is just slightly turn his nose to the right and then he would throw his hip into you. And so from that position, he's he's headed straight away from you and it's very easy for him to physically overpower you. And if you did hang on to that lead rope, you would be positioned right at the rear end of the horse. So if he kicked out, he would a- could actually hurt you very badly. So most people don't hang on to that rope. Um, and even if they do hang on to it because they're far enough away to avoid the kick, they have to be able to keep up with the horse running in order to stop him. And with the horse's nose bent away from you and his neck stiffened, you really cannot overpower that body weight. You know, you're talking about a thousand pounds of running animal. So this is the kind of thing that happens. So it's uh, people that are inexperienced can get not only easily tricked by the horse, but they can wind up in a quite dangerous situation really fast. Also, you have to consider the physical side of this, having the, the strength and the quickness to be able to uh, keep up with that horse, keep ahead of him, not let him get away from you. One thing that you really want to consider when you're working with a horse that has this kind of habitual behavior is what situations are triggering it and how highly motivated is the horse to act that way. Again, as this just happened a few times and it was sort of just Eh, not that big a deal. I was lunging him and he pulled away and just went and stood by the gate of the outdoor arena. Yeah, no big deal. But has this been going on for a long period of time? Has the horse highly benefited from it? In other words, was I, at the moment he got away from me, was I really asking him to do something he did not want to do? And in getting away from me, he got away with something big. Um, Did he get away from me and go all the way back to the barn and munch on alfalfa for five minutes before I got there. So there's a lot of factors that come into play. Um, But how motivated the horse is to be acting that way and the situations which trigger him um, are definitely factors I want to consider. In other words, if this horse is good about everything else that I do with him except for trailer loading 
and we've got a bad trailer loading problem with this horse, and it's the only time he displays that behavior, well, then we just have to work on the trailer loading, and we have to figure out how how to keep that horse from getting away from us. But if it's a, it is a behavior that has gotten worse and worse and worse over time, and then the horse is starting to uh, maybe become angry or aggressive uh, during these actions, or if his refusal is coming uh, more and more often with less and less prompting. In other words, it used to be only if I, you know, tried to make him cross the bridge, but now it's if I try to make him even leave the barnyard. And now it's, you know, and it gets worse and worse and worse. Then um, we know we have a pretty highly made of motivated horse with a lot of experience in, in acting this way. If that's the case, to uh, resolve him of this issue, to dissuade him from doing it, to be able to stop him in the act of doing something that he's gotten very skilled and motivated to do, um, then that's probably going to require a significant amount of pressure to dissuade that horse. Now, when I work a horse in this situation, I'm definitely going to be using a rope halter. Uh, my halters, I... Uh, particularly design them for the rope, the the diameter of the rope, the feel of the rope, um, the fit. All of that is important. Um, you want to halter with a little bit of stiffness to it and um, a well-proportioned halter. I want to be definitely using a long training lead, at least a 15-foot lead. Um, not at least, 15 feet should be long enough, although I have had horses that were so bad at this and so experienced at getting away that we ended up tying longer uh, ropes on just so the horse didn't actually get all the way away from us. Um, so rope halter and training lead. If the whore, if this is a really serious situation, I might also employ a stud chain on the halter. And if the horse is uh, really good at it or really big, and, and so his ability to overpower me is huge, I might need to put that stud chain um, in his mouth in order to be able to keep control of the horse. Uh, probably definitely going to be using a stick, either the short boundary stick or a flag in case that horse gets mad when I stop stop him and, and lashes out at me. I want to be able to hold that stick up and uh, so he doesn't come at me. Um, and I want to be able to hold that stick up and make sure I can maintain a safe distance from that horse. So the secret to being able to stop a horse that's already learned how to do this is to be able to keep control of his nose. So if you remember earlier, I said that before he can get away from you, he has to turn his nose away from you and stiffen his neck and shoulders and then line himself up so he's directly away from you and you are behind him and thus, it is very easy for him to overpower you and get up ahead of steam and just pull the rope right out of your hands. So if I can stop that chain of events from happening in the very beginning, I can keep control of this horse. In other words, if I'm leading the horse from the normal side, the near side, the left side of the horse, and if I can make him keep his nose bent slightly towards me, he never gets the opportunity to straighten and stiffen his neck and get away from me. 
So once I have a horse that has learned this behavior, that has gotten very good at it, I'm going to first assess how, how deeply ingrained is this problem, how highly motivated is this horse, and how much pressure is it going to take for me to be able to stop him. Then I'm going to set about doing my lead line work with this horse and or lunging the horse if that's where the problem occurred. Only I am going to be very strict with the horse and I'm going to require him to keep his nose several inches to the inside of the circle or if we're leading on a straight line, I'm going to require him to keep his nose um, and head just tipped slightly towards me so I will never allow him to straighten his neck. If he even tries to straighten his neck, I will jerk the rope very harshly And in very short order, he will learn to keep his nose towards me. So in other words, I take away all privilege from this horse. I'm basically going to treat him like he's guilty until proven innocent. And he has to keep his neck arced and his nose towards me at all times that I am either leading him or lunging him. If he does try to get away from me, but his nose is tipped towards me, I will be able to pull that rope and disengage the hindquarters and stop him. Again, once that nose is turned away from me and he stiffens his neck and lines up his body directly away from me, I will have zero chance of stopping him unless I can get the nose tipped to the side, unless I can get his neck bent. So to prevent him from getting away from me, I'm going to require him to always keep his neck bent. So again, if he does try to stop, if his neck is bent, I can pull that rope hard and that'll cause his hips to sort of fling to the side, which causes a disengagement of the hindquarters, which stops that forward motion. So again, when you have a horse like this, you want to be very wary of the circumstances that cause the behavior, that trigger the behavior. Always be prepared, have the right equipment for controlling this horse, whatever it takes. Whether that, if you have a a smaller, sensitive horse, probably a rope halter is going to be plenty. If it's a bigger, uh, insensitive horse, a horse that really overweighs you by a lot, you know, let's say I'm dealing with some kind of draft cross or a draft type horse, I'm probably going to need that chain in order to equalize the pressure in order for me to just apply a little bit of leverage to that horse so that I can control him. It's all about finding the amount of pressure that motivates that horse to change. Now, remember, I can never unlearn this behavior. These are tactics the horse will forever know. But what I can do is teach him that he won't get away with that from me, and I can teach him that I'm going to make it very unpleasant for him if he tries. And so I can probably come to a situation where that horse, where he's manageable for me, but what we have to be very careful of with that horse in the future, if you put that horse in the hands of a naive handler and in a situation where he does not want to comply, he, he knows how to get away. So we just have to always keep that in mind and never put the horse in that situation. At the end of the day, prevention is the best medicine for this problem. It is unnecessary for a horse to... I uh, learn these kind of tactics and this type of dangerous behavior. 
if we don't mishandle him to begin with. So again, this is why it's important that young horses are trained properly by experienced people that know all the pitfalls you can fall into, such as this, and uh, we avoid them to begin with. And the horse grows up being a good, safe, pleasant horse to be around. So if you do have that horse, and first we're going to have to work through um, finding the amount of pressure that allows you to stop that horse and, and don't let him get away until he stops getting away from you he's going to continue on with the behavior. So we have to find the amount of pressure that will stop the horse. We have to employ tactics like keeping the nose bent towards us at all times. That horse requires very, very strict handling, particularly when he's in the situations that trigger the behavior. And always be prepared. Basically, always be prepared and do not put this horse with people that are too inexperienced to handle a, a behavior like that. Depending on the horse's temperament, like I said, this may not escalate into a worse and worse behavior. Generally, the horses I've seen that have uh, where this has really become a dangerous behavior or an, and a chronic behavior have have had less than ideal temperaments to begin with, have been horses that are dominant and sort of uh, a tendency to be aggressive and a tendency to not want to be told what to do. And I think that's a big reason why most horses never learn this terrible habit. So if you are handling a horse that has learned this kind of tactic, let's make sure that we nip it in the bud as quickly as we can do not let this behavior continue and try to retrain that horse to better manners. If your horse has never displayed this type of behavior, good for you. Let's make sure you keep it that way by avoiding uh, letting a horse get, in, get into a position where he can get away from you on the lead line. And now, it's time for my favorite segment, What the Hey Q&A. We pick a few unique questions from our listeners each month and answer them on the air. If you'd like to submit a written question for What the Hey, please go to my Facebook page at Julie Goodnight Horsemanship or email podcast at juliegoodnight.com. Our first question comes from the internet. I have a horse that is round as a barrel and very mutton-withered, and her saddle is constantly slipping, although it fits her well. Is there a particular type of pad that will help? Well, that's an excellent question. It's actually one I get a lot, and I'm happy to try to answer it for you. First of all, these round barrel-shaped mutton-withered horse, and when we, we talk about a mutton-withered horse, that refers to sheep basically and and ba and it just means that the horse is very rounded at the withers and does not have prominent withers keep in mind that a horse a horse's withers becomes more and more prominent as he ages so a baby horse has little to no withers sticking up above his spine but as that horse ages and changes shape every year you start seeing more and more withers so sometimes this is just a temporary problem of an immature horse or a horse that's maybe overweight 
But some horses, uh, there are particular breeds where it's more common. Uh, they just simply do not have prominent withers, and they're very rounded at the top of the shoulders. And so their saddles are prone to slipping. It also um, can be a challenging saddle fit. But oftentimes, we can have a great saddle fit on the horse, but without that prominent wither for the front part of the bars of the trees to, to set against, that saddle is going to want to be tippy. So then we definitely want to look to the pad. Now, the worst thing you can do is put like multiple thick pads on a real round mutton withered horse because the more rounded the pads are underneath you, the worse it gets. If your horse is just uh, mildly mutton withered, some often just pulling your pad up into the gullet of the saddle, giving the front of your saddle pad a triangular shape rather than a rounded shape. This not only um, helps your horse's comfort, but that uh, the more A-shaped we can get the front of that pad to be, uh, the less slippery, tippy it's going to feel underneath you. So there's a couple of things uh, I would definitely have you look at. I would have you look at getting a pad that the inner lining of the pad is made with a tacky, um, sticky kind of, of rubberized material. And so you, so I'm talking about the surface that is next to the back of the horse and you can get a, a tacky pad lining that helps uh, with any kind of slippage. So that's one thing you want to consider. Also, the best kind of pad for a mutton withered horse is ironically also the best kind of pad for a horse with very prominent withers. And that is that we want to use a pad with a cutaway wither, or sometimes it's just called a cutaway pad. Sometimes it's called a split withered pad. But instead of it just being, uh, let's say we're talking about a Western pad, the split withered pads would come in either English or Western. But let's say we're talking about a Western pad and it's basically rectangular that split withered pad would be cut back. So there'd be sort of be a U-shape cut out of that pad at the wither. So the wither is completely open. And the reason why that works on a mutton withered horse is it sort of gives you an edge to the pad on each side of the wither. And so um, even though you don't have very prominent withers, it gives a little bit of an edge on each side of that wither uh, to help uh, that stabilize the pad from slipping. For that horse with really prominent withers, the split wither pad helps because it just it it buys you some space there by not having the pad cover the top of the wither. So. Those are my suggestions to you. Make sure you pull that pad well up into the gullet before you tighten the cinch of the horse, during the cinch tightening and after the cinch tightening. Uh, look at pads that have a tacky uh, underlining of the pad next to the horse's back and also consider the split wither or cutaway pad. Our next question also comes from the internet. My horse loves to go fast. Most of the time when I ask him to canter, he takes off bucking for several strides. It's not that hard to ride, and eventually he stops the bucking, but he always goes too fast at the canter. How can I make him stop bucking and slow down? Well, that's a good question. 
I actually also did a, a few episodes of Horse Master on that exact subject. And it's something I see quite often in clinics, to tell you the truth. I mean, not super common, but I, w- I would say in almost every clinic I do, there will be horses that when cued to canter, just sort of take off bucking and farting and, you know, at a dead run. And then after a few strides, the rider gets them back together. And I pretty much always attribute this to the rider. Now, let me just mention one thing. So some horses, when you first ask them to canter, or when you ask them to canter if they haven't been cantered in a long time, will crow hop a little bit. They're not necessarily bucking, which means that they're jumping up in the air and kicking out. So the crow hop is just the horse um, art, or, uh, rounding his back and, and jumping up into the air on all four feet, but he doesn't, ju- he doesn't kick out. The uh, buck is when he kicks out. And so I uh, would distinguish between crow hopping and bucking there, number one. And some horses that we call cold-backed will often crow hop a few strides if you haven't asked them to canter a while. And it, it seems as if they're sort of adjusting their spinal column or trying to get a little more comfortable in the saddle, and, and then they're fine and they don't do it. But it sounds like you're talking about a horse that when cued to canter, sort of explodes into the canter. And what I often say in clinics is this. If when you cue your horse to canter, it appears as though he was shot out of a cannon, you probably over cued him. And so, again, often we, we work on riding skills and we teach cues in a very mechanical way. You know, put your outside foot back and shift your weight here and release there and kiss and push with the seat and whatever. But the truth is, if you have a highly sensitive horse, a hot-blooded horse that's highly sensitive to all environmental stimuli, um, that's the definition of a hot-blooded horse. And if on top of being highly sensitive, he is also a very forward-moving, high-energy horse, as they often are, these are horses that generally, once they're trained, you don't really cue them to canter. You just allow them to canter. You don't really outwardly cue them to canter. You just think about cantering and they canter. And so often horses with that high level of sensitivity, when you get really mechanical and methodical with the cue and you don't come down to the horse's level of sensitivity in that cue, he explodes into the canter because it's as if you've you know, triggered a fuse or it's as if you have you know, shouted in his ear what you want him to do. Or he may feel like you're not asking him to canter, you're asking him for a dead run. And so I generally want to, if, if, if I'm riding a horse that is very forward and that tends to be explosive in the canter departure, I'm not going to use leg aids at all on that horse. I'm going to try to position him as best I can for the lead, but I'm just going to slowly ease him into the canter by just starting to, just starting to pump my seat in the canter motion. And, you know, so I might just reach forward a little bit. I might try just 
simply making the kissing sound and not even doing anything else and seeing if that gets them into the canter. I might put them up into a nice slow trot and then see if I can just start easily um, circling my seat in the canter motion and see if he'll just step into the canter off my seat motion. There are many, many horses out there that you'll never use leg aids on in the canter departure. So that's my recommendation to you to really tone down your cue. Um, use the smallest amount of cue possible. And you may even, instead of using multiple aids for the cue as we normally do, I would isolate that down to one aid, just the kissing sound or a easy curl of your seat bones to push into the canter motion um, or a simple touch with the outside leg. So break those aids down, make them softer and softer until you find that cue that just allows the horse to easily step into the canter. If he's going too fast all the time, that is uh, quite possibly a result of you over-cueing him into the canter. Um, I want to learn to control a horse's speed at the canter through the arcing circle. Um, another great exercise is to do trot, canter, trot, canter, trot, canter, trot, canter, until every time you ask the horse to canter, he's thinking about the trot transition. So that has a tendency to slow down fast horses as well. So probably this is a cueing problem. Um, as always, when uh, a horse does have a, a behavioral problem, we have to consider physical causes. It may not hurt to have the horse's back checked out by a veterinarian or a veterinarian chiropractic just to make sure that he does not have some sort of chiropractic issue or joint soreness somewhere or back soreness that's causing that bucking. Um, so good luck with that, and thanks for the great question. Thank you, everyone, for a fun and interesting conversation about horse training and people training. I hope you found some good tips for you and your horse. And don't forget to check out my online membership programs. You'll find the solutions you need when you need them. You can subscribe to my full training library or enroll in a horsemanship short course or join my premier level of membership, the Interactive Academy, where you receive assignments and personalized coaching from me. Go to signin.juliegoodnight.com and sign up. Next month, we'll tackle another horse training subject to help you find the solutions you need to help your horse life. Next month, we'll tackle another horse training subject to help you find the solutions you need to help make your horse life better. Be sure to hit subscribe now so you don't miss a single episode. I enjoy sharing my horse care and training experience with you and I appreciate all your feedback and suggestions. I love to hear what topics interest you the most. If you have questions for the Q&A segment or podcast topics you'd like me to address, please message me on Facebook at Julie Goodnight Horsemanship or email me at podcast at juliegoodnight.com. Thanks again for your awesome comments and for the five-star ratings. It helps me out a lot and it helps us rise in the rankings so more horse lovers, just like you and me, can find this podcast. I'm Julie Goodnight. Thank you for listening, 
and enjoy the ride. Be sure to visit juliegoodnight.com slash academy for more in-depth training advice. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd really appreciate your good review on iTunes so more horse lovers just like you can find my podcast. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to enjoy the ride.